Hey guys, it's Lauren. And Chelsea. And we've already recorded today's episode, but we are coming in from the future to tell you some very exciting news. Guys, did you know that we're going on tour? I think they already knew that. But we have some new tour dates that have been added. Absolutely. We will be in Chicago April 25th. We'll be in St. Louis April 26th and Nashville April 27th. Yeehaw. And for those that were very upset that our New York show got sold out, we have added a late show on April 20th at City Winery. Tickets are available. And guess what? Tickets are still available for Boston April 18th. Philly, April 22nd, Pittsburgh, April 23rd, and Washington, D.C., April 21st. Guys, that is my birthday. What unhinged thing will Chelsea do for my birthday? I guess you'll have to buy tickets and wait and see. Also, guys, the New York shows are on 420, so just consider that as an activity. Instead of just sitting at home and smoking pot, smoke pot and then come to our show. Or smoke pot during our show? Is it legal in New York yet? I don't think City Winery would appreciate if people light up inside the venue, but but I think you can safely light up on the street outside. And guys, unlike the last time we talked about our tour, uh, we actually know what the show's going to be about, and spoiler alert, it's pretty good. Yeah, I hope it's good. Although I'm scared for that second New York show because it's a late night show. We will have already done one show. So I feel like the second show could really be like our Lydia Tarr breakdown. Get tickets. It's going to be very fun. There's going to be sex in the city stuff, fashion stuff, things that we cannot do on the podcast because it is not a visual medium. Yes, the live show really is solving our biggest problem. We are coming to realize the more we work on it. We hope to see you there. And if we have not announced your city yet, we are working on it yeah we are and by we i mean our tour agent yeah not us personally but all right and now to the episode i spent forty thousand dollars on shoes what's the matter morty great gowns beautiful gowns fashion has changed Hi, I'm Lauren Garoni. And I'm Chelsea Fairless. And we are back with another Sex and the City episode rewatch. Less people thought because last time we covered the end of Sex and the City that we were going to stop doing these. We just love to do them so out of order and give you a bit of a shock. Yes. So since we did the very last episodes of Sex and the City, we thought for this rewatch, we would dive into a pretty solid season one episode. Which is Secret Sex. Episode six. This episode begins with a really iconic photo shoot. Yeah, but I have to say that this is more Sarah Jessica Parker than Carrie in this montage, I felt. Yeah, it is giving like Sarah Jessica Parker being shot for Movie Line magazine <laughs> like in 1995. But I love that in the voiceover, Carrie talks about how she had misgivings about the photo shoot until she heard she could keep the dress. And I'm like, Carrie in general doesn't like a photo shoot because she had similar issues for her book cover. Right. Unless it's a Vogue editorial, she feels uncomfortable about it. Well, this photo shoot looks incredible. They 
they built a set yeah. that is basically a replica of her bedroom, which really speaks to uh, late 90s media budgets that tragically no longer exist. I know. I sent Paul this tweet where someone was talking about that very same thing of like, I love talking to Gen X co-workers who talk about how drawing the astrological signs for an alt magazine paid their rent for six months. Also, I love the way that this scene is shot and almost every single photo shoot in a 90s film or television show is shot like this. The camera is very shaky. It's going in and out of focus. It's like cinema verite vibes all the way. Yeah, it's giving the uh, the opening theme montage for Just Shoot Me or something. <laughs> okay, so over at Carrie's apartment... Carrie is still wearing the naked dress or she's wearing it again. They have all gathered at Carrie's apartment on a Friday night, which is what I love about the earlier seasons. We see the girls hanging out in each other's apartments, which is very real because... Unless you have season six sex in the city budget, you can't be going out every night. <laughs> in this economy, I think not. They're drinking a bottle of champagne and Carrie is talking about her future date with Mr. Big. Or her date is later that night? No, she leaves them to go on the date, which is something I want to talk about because they all went to Carrie's apartment to watch her get ready for her first date with Big, which, by the way, gave me an unfair idea about what adult female friendships were like. <laughs> because even when we both lived in New York, you would never commute from your apartment in Bushwick to my place in the East Village for me to get ready for a first date? No, well, and now with our phones, that isn't necessary. She would just send a photo of the dress to the group chat. Right. And everyone would be like, tell me how it's going. Like, you'd get real-time updates. You wouldn't need to do this pre-game situation. Absolutely. Yes. So can we discuss, is this an appropriate first date dress? Because personally, as a pale person, I've always been nervous to wear flesh-colored anything, be it leggings or a dress. A flesh-colored dress rarely works, I will say. And now in Los Angeles, we are facing an epidemic of flesh-colored leggings. So literally, I will see women out in public and be like, oh, they don't have pants on, like they're, they're mentally ill, you know? Because we see that too sometimes. And no, it's just some chick in Fabletics that are like identical to their skin tone. Well, you know why? It's because they can't quit that recurring credit card charge from Fabletics. They're like, I guess I'll wear these nude leggings. Well, it is the legacy of Yeezy, yeah. the Kardashians. This is what it's trickled down to. It's trickled down to women running around town without pants on. So Miranda has the great line. She calls Carrie tits on toast, but you make it work, which honestly sounds like a line big would give Carrie in season four or something. Like, hey kid, you look like tits on toast, but you make it work. Of course she looks amazing in the dress, and by today's standards, it's like not even that risque. Like, it obviously is. If you're walking down the street like that, you will get attention. But compared to the shit I see people wear out now... Like now because of Mew Mew, wearing underwear has been normalized. I was also surprised to learn in rewatching this episode, it is Charlotte who coins the phrase the naked dress, which 
I guess is any outfit or ensemble or dress you're going to wear the evening you sleep with someone for the first time. Well, I think it's more just any nude colored outfit now. It's the illusion of nudity. Well, yeah. I mean, this opens up a whole like, well, you can't sleep with him on the first date. Like, this is an inappropriate dress to wear if you're not going to be fucking this guy. And might I just say the dialogue in this scene is top tier. Like I could practically read the full transcript of this, but this is a very important conversation they're having, which is about whether or not it's appropriate to have sex with someone on the first date. Charlotte, in true Charlotte and late 90s fashion, says that if you're serious about a guy, you have to wait until the fifth date to sleep with them. If someone waited until the fifth date, I mean, I wouldn't even make it to the fifth date, for one thing. I would assume they had some sort of gynecological issue or that they were, like, deeply religious, like Mennonite religious. Well, yeah, also it's just funny to watch this episode with 2020 online dating eyes because it's like, yeah, who has a fifth date anymore? Yeah, that's crazy. But Samantha makes the great point that he can just as easily dump you on the first date as the 10th, but by the 10th, you're already emotionally involved. Involved, which made me realize, did we steal our point in We Should All Be Miranda's that you should sleep with someone immediately from Samantha? No, I don't think we did. I think we elaborated on it a bit. And it is a belief that I have. I just think that sleeping with someone on the first date, if you are attracted to them, is a great litmus test for how someone will treat you. And if someone never calls you again, which is Charlotte and Carrie's fear, essentially then you shouldn't be with them. If you haven't purchased our book, We Should All Be Miranda's, still available on Amazon and other retailers. Only half of it makes sense now because of <laughs> and just like that, but whatever. But our point is that what is worse, and in our mind, what we believe is worse is getting to know someone, becoming emotionally invested, and having no sexual chemistry with them, and then having to back out of the beginning of a relationship with someone you now actually really care about. Horrible scenario. Also, God forbid, like, I would rather be dumped for my personality than for being bad in bed. And if it's you sleep with someone on the first date, it could be your personality. It could not be that you're <laughs> bad in bed. Whereas there's no doubt that it's about you being bad in bed if you've gone on multiple dates. Very true. Also, not pleasant for the dumper either. I would rather dump someone because of their personality rather than like, that was a bad vibe, you know? If you don't get along with their personality, they're just not meant for you. If they're bad at sex, then that's not really a personality mismatch. That is a, a skill set malfunction. Or also potentially about your appearance is the other thing. Oh, yeah, which is a huge part of this episode. Speaking of the great dialogue, true romance can't exist without good sex, which is very true. But then Samantha's counterpoint, yet you can have good sex with someone you don't like or respect or even remember. It's so true. Yeah, I think the best lines of the show are the alley-oops between Samantha and Miranda. Well, also Samantha's point that the woman that invented the you shouldn't have sex on the first date rule just couldn't get laid and wanted to shame everyone else. Right. To your point earlier about like, oh, is her date with Big like later in the evening? No, it's right now because she leaves her friends in her own apartment to just hang out while she's on this date. We should also note that she's wearing the fur coat, the famous Carrie coat. And then this is where Carrie talks to camera, which will always be a jump scare. <laughs> Big loves this dress. 
or we assume he loves this dress because he says interesting dress. Which is the best sort of cool guy, could be negging, could be a compliment for the dress. Also, I just want to note that Carrie's shoe dress selection is only a possibility when you are being picked up by a chauffeured car. Just so you know, people that are thinking about moving to New York, <laughs> this is not going to be possible for you unless you have Uber money. Uber black money at that. Yeah, exactly. Also, this dress is very interesting. It is DKNY, and Sarah Jessica Parker later wore this same dress to, what was it, the VH1 Vogue Fashion Awards, or was it the VMAs? The VH1 Vogue Fashion Awards, excuse you. This is such the epitome of a before stylist world, because it's the 1997 VH1 Vogue Fashion Awards. So clearly she was on set of Sex in the City. There is a video on YouTube of what she was doing. She was being paired with Kevin Bacon. It was a Footloose reunion and they announced an award. So clearly she was like, I gotta go. Like, what do we have that I could wear? Sex in the City wasn't even on the area. So crazy. No one would ever do that today. I believe Kim Cattrall also did this because didn't we see, like she went on some late night talk show, I think in that like, teal Mongolian fur coat that she wore in the firehouse scene. Oh, interesting. Like we saw some photos of her wearing that outside of the show. So I do think that this was just a thing that the girls were doing. I don't doubt that. Honestly, more people should do this. I noticed there's been some mild online controversy as to who actually designed this dress because the designer, Elisa, I'm going to assume it's Imanez if the J is silent. If the J isn't silent, Jimenez has also claimed to be the one to design this dress, but she actually designed, it's more like a body stocking, but you can see her dress worn by Carrie in the photo shoot scene for like a split second. It's a close-up of her on the bed with the laptop. It's a different vibe. It's much more form-fitting. It looks like something that Bianca Sensori might wear. But this situation is now complicated by the fact that this designer is now selling copies of the DKNY dress on her website. Very confusing. Now that we put that to bed, let's get back to the fact that Carrie and Big don't even go on a date. They just straight up fuck immediately in Big's car. And then on the floor of Big's bedroom. Yeah, which also to me gave me very unrealistic ideas about what postcoital moments were, given that like so many movies of the 90s and the early 2000s, everyone just ends up on the floor. Like that's a marker of really just mind-blowing sex. I don't know if Chris Nose knees could take that, even at, <laughs> even at that age. I love the voiceover that Carrie has where she says, I won't be the first one to talk. And then she does. And I'm like, that's our insecure, toxic queen. She of course has to ask him, don't you think it's crazy we fucked on the first date? Which is like, okay, but you didn't even go on a date. So there's that. I guess they did what our godfather Dan Savage says, which is they had sex first and then went and had food. Like eat the Chinese food after, boo. Like that's the better scenario. That is the correct order. So they go to Feng Hua. Why do I remember the name of this restaurant? Because it is also the name of a very famous bus line that used to run out of Chinatown where you could literally like take the Feng Hua bus from Chinatown to Boston for like $30. So this bus was like hugely important to 
students, starving artists, etc. back in the day. Although sadly it closed because the buses like literally like fell apart like they weren't safe you know do you think that's what it was a nod to i don't think it was a nod to that i think it's a coincidence but it delighted me so carrie wonders in her voiceover has mr big discovered my weakness for great sex and greasy chinese or was going out to dinner merely a diversionary tactic to keep me from spending the night yeah do you want to spend the night so but before carrie as she says can completely indulge in her paranoia she spots her friend mike singer who I love these early, like this guy and... <laughs> the fashion photographer guy that secretly films yeah. having sex with models. I believe that is a crime, but anyway. Played by Suits actor Gabriel Mock uh, and Skipper of just like this idea that they let go of after season two of like no straight male friends for them. That's like propaganda. These kind of friendships don't actually exist. Well, also because she explains we've known each other for 10 years, but never had sex because we want to know each other for another 10 years it's like what's wrong with mike he seems like a relatively successful creative director and then mike is of course with another woman carrie then asks a truly wild question i mean he's clearly her friend mike is with this woman even though he refuses to introduce this woman but she asked mike is the dress too naked and he says just naked enough which is kind of wild to say in front of a girl that clearly your friend is with for yeah. meeting for the first time. Yeah, agreed. Mike obviously doesn't want to introduce his secret girlfriend to her. Which is the weirdest thing, but also no one thinks to just introduce themselves, which I would. Meanwhile, the next day, I guess, unless she's taking a late class, Miranda is kickboxing. Yeah, I took it to be that Miranda went from having champagne at Carrie's apartment at like seven and then is at, yeah, late night kickboxing class. That's fully insane. <laughs> That's so not right. Well, actually, it could be earlier because this is the episode they realized that they had to set every episode in what they call perpetual spring because they were like, oh, we can't have these girls cold. <laughs> this is visually terrible. At this class, Miranda kicks some guy in the face. His name was Ted Baker. Did the fashion designer Ted Baker not exist at that point? He definitely did. Okay, so Ted Baker, not the fashion designer, is a 32-year-old sports doctor. How many sports doctors has Miranda dated? Look, writing is hard, Chelsea, okay? Work smarter, not harder. I don't know why this only clicked for me now. There's something so distinctly late 90s about kickboxing and kickboxing classes. Like, why hasn't Gen Z discovered this? Well, kickboxing, it's a great workout. I think people still kickbox, and they should because... If you lean into the fashions of boxing, that's always a positive thing. So on the way home, Miranda learns a lot about this gentleman because in Carrie's voiceover, Miranda evidently learned in this, I assume, brief walk that he's been in three prior serious relationships. Is that initial meeting talk usually? I think he was emotionally slutty. He was emotionally slutty and probably had brain damage. Certainly a concussion. So the next day... Carrie and Miranda are in what park? What I thought was Central Park, but Kiss and Tell has corrected this. That it is Riverside Park. Riverside Park. This scene makes you realize how insane the costuming got by the end of the series because they look fully normal. Like this could be Law and Order SVU. It's also filmed like an SVU episode. I don't know if you clock this, but on each of their coverage, 
at a certain point, the camera is just constantly moving like it's a Tony Scott film. I'm like, what is happening? Well, and nothing is more SVU than two women walking in a park together and then randomly seeing like a dead body. So Miranda explains that Ted Baker, not the fashion designer Ted Baker, but the sports doctor Ted Baker, has already left a message on her phone asking her out to which Miranda goes, it's too quick. It's like, isn't this what you bitches want? <laughs> All of this reminds me of that scene in Swingers when Vince Vaughn is plotting out when John Favreau should text or call Heather Graham or something. <laughs> totally. So Carrie mentions that she ran into Mike and that he was acting weird. He obviously didn't want to introduce her to this woman. So then I guess she has to have a little debrief with Mike at Bed Bath & Beyond to figure out what went down. Again, another thing that gave me unrealistic expectations for adult friendship. In TVs and movies, they make it seem like you just call up your friend and you're like, hey, I have to get sheets from Bed Bath & Beyond. Like, do you want to come with me? But people should do that. All right, I'm going to go grocery shopping after this. Do you want to come with me and catch up? Up. No, I don't have time, but I would love to. <laughs> also, RIP to the iconic 6th Avenue location of Bed Bath & Beyond. The Bed Bath & Beyond where I once saw Patty Hansen and the Richards daughters shopping for what looked like dorm furniture, and I was very confused. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that was a lifeline for any Parsons and NYU students. Yeah. So Mike explains why he didn't introduce Carrie to this woman, because she is someone he would not date openly, which it's like, fine, but doesn't mean you have to be a dick. Like, why not introduce her? There are a lot of these supposed social norms where it's like, if I introduce a person I know in my real life to my secret sex, then like, I guess my secret sex is real now. She's my girlfriend. Oops. Well, it's also like less sus to just introduce someone. 110%. There's no way that a fight did not erupt afterwards. Or maybe this woman is much chiller than I am. Also, Speaking of repeated storylines, working smarter, not harder, this is essentially the beginning of the Harry and Charlotte storyline of like, the sex is great, we have lots in common, but I don't want to be seen in public with this person. But I do think that this is a common thing, not necessarily on television, on Sex in the City, certainly. But I do think that people do have full secret relationships. For sure. I'm also pretty sure that this actor was on The Sopranos. I'm not going to lie, I didn't do any research to look into this but <laughs> it's just a vibe you get it's just a vibe i get i mean there is a pipeline we'll eventually discuss of like law and order character actors into sopranos into sex in the city boyfriends but i don't know chell maybe it's just me looking at this episode with 2024 eyes but they seem fairly matched attractiveness wise like this is also a problem with normal people i believe because is it the thing that Paul Mescal's character doesn't want to be seen with the female character because she's homely, but then they cast Daisy Edgar Jones, who's like a beautiful woman? Yeah, I agree. I think this chick just needs to like brush her hair and like get a little bit of a style makeover. Well, it's not like this guy is Jacob Elordi or something. No, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't think it's like an outrageous pairing of yeah. people. Well, he also says we don't have a lot in common, which is Carrie's worry when she dates Petrovsky. But it's like, if you have great conversation with someone, great sexual chemistry, and what, you don't have the same taste in music, you can't be together? No, actually, I was reading some book, and it's like, there is a real science to the opposites attract thing. Like, 
it makes for very stable couples in a lot of instances, which is apparently why so many dating apps are such a problem because they match you based on things that you have in common. Like they match you based on your political affiliation, your interests, blah, 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 when those things actually aren't that important. I think having similar tastes, but not having specific pop culture things in common, as long as you can have a conversation. Like if you don't have- Of course. Like if you don't have anything in common and therefore can't say anything more than a few pleasantries to each other, like, yeah, that's fucked. The great thing, I don't know if you feel this way with Tat, the great thing is- I know a bunch of random shit, as you know, but Paul knows a bunch of random shit, but it's not the same random shit I know. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, I think me and Tat have certain things in common, but in many instances, I'm more compatible with you in that regard. <laughs> we have terrible sex, guys. <laughs> it's awful. We, we tried it once and it was a disaster. We are being sarcastic. I don't want to... <laughs> I was going to see if you were going to clarify. I knew you would. It would have been so much better if we just moved on. <laughs> So, so we get, we get this flashback to the cheese counter. See, they have cheese in common. They're both seemingly foodies. And really, if that's the only thing that you have in common, that's fine. Because food is like an activity that happens constantly. And there's so many different variations of it. It's such dumb bullshit where it's like, I'm a punk fan and she's a pop girl, so we could never be together. It's like, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get our first, I couldn't help but wonder of the episode. We get two kind of. We get two half I couldn't help but wonders. I couldn't help but wonder, did two half I couldn't help but wonders make a whole I couldn't help but wonder. Look, we're six episodes into season one. Carrie's still talking to the camera. They're figuring it out. I couldn't decide whether Mike was being shallow or honest. But the question nagged me for days. How many of us out there are having great sex with people we're ashamed to introduce to our friends? Actually, it's not even I couldn't help but wonder. It's I couldn't decide. Yeah, I think a lot of people are having great sex with people that they're ashamed to introduce to their friends. Yeah, well, there's two things going on. There are people that you're having sex with that you have a pure physical connection with that you couldn't see yourself being in a relationship with. Right, right. And therefore, yes, shouldn't introduce them to your friends. But specifically what we are talking about with Carrie and Big and this guy Mike is someone that they are basically dating. Yeah, having a full relationship is crazy. Having a full relationship and not introducing that person to people you know, your friends, is crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of it is because if it's a really casual dating situation or a friends with benefits situation, it's it's like awkward to have to explain who that person is. Very true. I was going to ask you, have you ever been ashamed of someone you've had sex with? Oh, of course, but not really so much because of physical appearance. It's more like style, like some lesbians are really bad dressers. You know what I mean? So it's like, it wouldn't be my instinct to like parade around in Soho with them. Or introduce them to your friends. If I was properly dating someone, that would be one thing. I don't think I would date someone that I wouldn't introduce to my friends. What about you? Of course. I mean, you've quite literally only met Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So everyone else has been not fit for public consumption for one reason or another. Or the reverse. I have not been up to snuff and they don't want to introduce me. Really? I don't know. Have you sensed? Have you been like a cheese counter bitch? Look, we're all cheese counter bitch at some (laughs) point in our lives. It's hard to say because of the amount of like quote unquote unavailable men that I've dated who 
I think put things in a more casual category. I'm sure a lot of the single fuckouts will relate to this idea of like, quite like this guy, Mike. Mike is a proto fuckboy. Like the amount of guys where it's like, we're fully in a relationship, but you just don't want to give it that phrasing is interesting. Just sort of picking and choosing your favorite parts of a relationship. I think this, we're now starting to get into things discussed in the other half, I couldn't help but wonder, but we'll, we'll get into that more. Right, because now we have a scene with Samantha and Carrie where we learn that Samantha had sex with someone in high school. Not to be confused with season three or four Samantha, where she fucks the college age Sam Jones. Perfectly acceptable. High school, not so much. Although college is a little, that's, it's unseemly. Well, see, I was going to be way worse than you. I was like, well, technically in New York, the age of consent is 17. (laughs) So Carrie and Samantha are looking at Carrie's poster. I don't want to sound like a complete millennial, but I'm like, would this happen would they send carrie a printed out version of her bus poster maybe if she requested it i want to know where is this carrie should frame this i understand why she wouldn't want to display it in her apartment at that time but could have been a great prop for and just like that if not in her apartment, in that giant storage unit that she owns. I think we both maintain that in and just like that, Carrie's apartment should have been her office and, yes, could have displayed all of these great ephemera and moments from the series. A small note, I don't know if you watched this on Max.com, they recently remastered the entire series, and the up-res of this first season really shows how indie it was because Carrie is either in this scene overlit or the stock is overexposed because she's completely blown out in this scene. They were working out some of the kinks. Who directed this one? Let me get my kiss and tell book out. Hold on. Whoever directed Slayed with a photo shoot but could use some improvement. Um, It's directed by someone named Michael Fields. I'm not familiar. Huh. Okay, so <laughs> this episode is surprisingly jam-packed with things that I remember from the show, such as the fact that Charlotte had sex with a rabbi, or at least that's what Samantha frames it as. Yes. For one thing, I love the idea that Charlotte is disclosing this to Samantha. Before Carrie? Of all people. That's totally crazy. So they go to Charlotte's gallery, I guess, to talk to her about this. And she's like, babes, it wasn't a rabbi. He was a Hasidic folk artist. From Brooklyn. Obviously, he's from Brooklyn. I always thought that the guy who painted Charlotte's vagina was also the Hasidic artist. But no. Th- those are two separate people. <laughs> they are two fully separate people. And might I say, the vagina artist guy, much better artist. The fake paintings in this man's studio are absolutely heinous. Yes, but did this foreshadow Charlotte and Harry? I mean, Harry is not this orthodox. Harry's not orthodox at all. Charlotte truly has the most diverse sex life. That is our hot take. I just want to get into all of their obsessions with introducing everyone they have sex with to their friends. I don't want to waste your precious time with people I am casually seeing. I respect you more than that. Yeah, but I think for some people, it's taking it to the next level. It's not even telling them that they're seeing someone. Like Charlotte didn't even tell Carrie that she was with this guy. And that's the next level of secret sex. That is true. I love how Charlotte, for maybe the only time in the existence of Sex in the City, goes out of her way to be like, and now you don't put this in your column. 
Which I could have used peppered throughout season three and four. I could have used Steve just clutching the newspaper, being like, you told everyone I have one ball. Oh, man. <laughs> Your Steve impression is way better than mine. Ma. <laughs> it's really just reduced down to ma. Paul does an excellent Steve impression. Um, and then we get, dare I say, a second I couldn't help but wonder. Was secret sex the ultimate form of intimacy? Since it existed in a pure state exempt from the judgment of the world? Or is it just another way in which we deny our feelings and emotionally compartmentalize our lives? Yes, it is the ultimate form of intimacy, but certainly that isn't always the case. Ideally, you want someone that you have good sex with, can be intimate with, and have a conversation with. I will say this is a very wordy I couldn't help but wonder. If this were the I couldn't help but wonder a few seasons from now, certainly it would be like, later that day I got to thinking... Was good sex the ultimate form of intimacy? This is like a very much like a first pass. I couldn't help but wonder. Big calls. It feels like maybe a week has passed. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, he is very charming on this phone call. He is. Right? He says, well, on the risk of sounding trite, I haven't been able to stop thinking about you. No, it's, it's hot. So he wants to take her out on a real first date, which is again my point. She keeps saying that she slept with Big on the first date. They did not go on a date. And even Big is like, I want to take you on a real first well, date. Well, they went now. to, f yes, they went on a date because they went out to dinner after. If she had just come over to fuck, that would have been different. That's a non-date. But he says he wants to take her on a true American type of date, dinner and a movie. And then he says, of course, knowing us, we'll skip the movie. Can I just say, I think a movie as a date is a terrible idea. Why? Because I've never understood it for like a first, second, or third date. You're right, you're right. It, does, it definitely doesn't make sense for first or second. Also, the length of movies these days? Oof, I know. A two and a half hour film plus 30 minutes of AMC commercials? I guess that is an easy out though, if you need it. It's like, well, I gotta go home. I've been gone for five hours between the cocktails and the, what did you call it? The flowers of the killer moon? Yes, flowers of the killer moon. Uh, I thought it was just like in the middle of film, you just turn to your date and you're like, I didn't know it was gonna be this long. I gotta go. Or the Carrie excuse. I have a deadline. I gotta go. It's really an evergreen excuse for her. So Carrie is worried about the sex on the first date curse, a thing I didn't know was possible. Well, that's why the you don't have sex on the first date rule exists. So she asks him to come to her bus thing, her bus unveiling party. Right, because they don't go on the date he proposed. They're just having a nice little stroll down the street, which is lovely. Mr. Big runs into some people. He doesn't introduce her. In the real world, Mr. Big would have just been like, sorry, I totally forgot that guy's name. Like, that is a get-out-of-jail-free card when you don't know someone's name, when you are with someone who's ever met this person. Even if I was with someone that I didn't want to date, I'd be like, you know what? Here's Chelsea. And they'd be like, I'm Bob. And it's like, Bob, remember Bob, right. Bob. And then immediately as soon as I walked away, I'd forget their name again. No, it's true. Sometimes a new person is like the only card you have to figure out someone's name. But Big does remember that some guy I met in Aspen. She doesn't understand. Had I suddenly become the invisible woman? But then they go back to Feng Hua. She realizes it smelled like a cheap date you don't want anyone to meet. Because she looks around and basically she's like, look at all these uggos with attractive people. Oh my God. These are all secret sex situations. I'd love to see their Yelp reviews. 
okay, I understand that he had to take her back to Feng Hua for this all to make sense, but Mr. Big would never do this. Mr. Big understands like what is required of a man in a situation like this and it's definitely not picking the same restaurant he would have to he would pick a fancy restaurant he would go to 21 club or something he would give the maitre d you know 50 bucks they'd be sat at a great table there would be people there he remembered their names of he'd do his whole rat pack shtick but big as we learn in seasons to come is more of a blood, sweat, and tears fan than like a Dean Martin fan. So Miranda has slept with Ted Baker. <laughs> Not the designer Ted Baker, the sports doctor Ted Baker. Him being a nice, generous guy, he has to go somewhere, catch a train, some work situation, right? Chelsea, no, this is purely psychotic. He's going on a business trip and he leaves a woman he just met and slept with for the first time. I don't know. It's the first time we're seeing it in his apartment. That is behavior that you do when you are given a key to your partner's apartment. Because what happens when she decides to leave? How is she supposed to lock his apartment? True, true. So she quickly ransacks his place and discovers his preferred genre of porn, which is spanking videos. I'm going to defend Ted Baker for a second. Of course. <laughs> we don't even know if that's his preferred porn genre. He could have gotten that as a gag gift. We don't know. Let's just assume that this is his preferred fetish. This might be a generational difference, but like, I feel like for you and I, it's like, that's on like almost a cute PG-13 scale of pornography you could find. I know. In the scheme of like fucked up fetishes, this is like completely reasonable. It's not like this man is going to ask her to like lie down in a bathtub full of ice or something. Does that fetish have a name? Yeah, like the necrophilia role play people. <gasps> also, Miranda being shocked that she found something untoward is like you are snooping to find something bad. That's like watching NASCAR or Formula One and being shocked or horrified at a car crash. That's what you came for. Exactly. Like, ding, 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 you found it. Also, Miranda's leap is, how can I love a man who's into this? Yeah, cut to 25 years later. She's like strapping it on with Che Diaz. Uh, I do like Carrie's line of, how can you love a man before you spank him? Good advice. How is she planning on returning this porn to his apartment because she stole it. That's way crazier than being into spanking. Like stealing someone you've had sex with once is porn and then watching it with your friends. Well, according to my logic about this, he didn't give her a key. So that apartment is just unlocked. <laughs> She's just coming and going as she pleases. So cut to the bus unveiling. Right. We've got Miranda is not there, which I, I wonder what that was about. But you know who is there? Carrie's... <laughs> platonic bestie mike who we will never see again this is an insane bit of logic i don't know if you felt this way charlotte basically shames carrie saying that big isn't there big who has a nine to five is a businessman uh couldn't come to her midday fifth avenue bus unveiling not because he's a busy businessman but instead because carrie had sex with him on the first date so crazy Mike reveals that he has been dumped 
by his secret girlfriend. This was great. The comeuppance for this was wonderful. Yes, Libby didn't come with him because she met someone who didn't have his, quote, problems with intimacy. (laughs) I love it. We love an emotionally intelligent person. The bus rolls up and Carrie has a dick drawn on her face quite crudely. I know, already... It's been defaced. But in what universe would you not just cry laughing? Like if a bus drove by with our faces and someone had drawn <laughs> dicks on it, we'd never stop laughing about it. Honestly, we'd be upset if there weren't already dicks drawn on our faces. <laughs> <laughs> but that might be just a youth spent reading Perez Hilton talking. Yeah, true. Miranda's back with Ted. Having just watched some early season six, Miranda really knows how to botch an after dinner date because I was just watching the He's Just Not That Into You episode. And when she's leaving an Indian restaurant with that guy and he's like, I got, uh, it was great seeing you. Uh, I'll call you. And she's like, I get it. You're just not that into me. And he's like, no, no, no. I really like it. I just got to go. And she's like, no, no, no. I get it. You can say it. And he's like, I have to go diarrhea or whatever he says. <laughs> Yeah, we really need to talk about that episode. Anyway, back to Miranda and Ted. He's being genuine. I mean, I will say the joy of Sex and the City, the way that the women are portrayed is how deeply flawed they are, of like yearning for a stable, emotionally available man that they have great sex with, but then also the fact that they can't help themselves to ruin it. Because Ted's like, I really missed you while I was gone on my business trip. And she's like, oh, I thought you wanted a good spanking. And just see the color drain out of his face. Well, clearly it's this guy's like most shameful secret, which is a huge red flag in and of itself. Even if it wasn't his deepest, darkest secret, it's a deeply weird thing to say. I think it would be easier to just make some like, oh, you bad boy, you kind of thing when the situation calls for it. Right. Also, Miranda... Looks pretty butch here. She's in one of her more androgynous ensembles. So Carrie shows up drunk to Big's apartment, which is not the first time she will do this. Carrie, of course, unloads on him in the uh, the least cool way possible. She is giving away all of her power. She says to Big, you don't introduce me to your friends. You bring me back to that restaurant where men take women they don't want to be seen with. You won't come out and meet my friends. You have me in a in a niche for certain events, certain restaurants, certain people. Like, I'm only a particular fragment of the kind of person that you think you should be dating. Little wordy, but pretty good for drunk Carrie. Could have done a lot worse. And then Mr. Big just debunks all of these conspiracy theories one by one. I do love that Sarah Jessica Parker early on has a very established drunk Carrie persona and maybe just like a drunk acting persona in general because I think she's like this in The Family Stone as well where she like goes to punctuate her point and spills her drink everywhere which happens in season two when she calls Big drunk from uh, when he's in Paris. Yes, and in addition to being like a comedic drunk, she's an incredible pothead. Sarah Jessica Parker, of course, excels at many, many things, but acting drunk or high for comedic effect is up there on the list. But you're right, Big just debunks every (laughs) one of her points. Yeah, he's like, "Um, I didn't introduce you to that guy because I didn't remember his name. I took you to Feng Hua twice because I think it's the best Chinese food in the city. I mean, lies, but okay. Who are we to judge? 
And um, I didn't go to the bus thing because I had courtside Knicks tickets. And that's all, folks. And then somehow he's not completely horrified by this display from someone he doesn't really know that well. And he just, you know, does the charming Mr. Big Shtick, pulls her in for a kiss and... uh, They fuck again, I guess. Yeah, that's what I would assume. Do you know about the crazy hot ratio? No. I think at that moment he realized like, oh, that's why I'm having such great sex with this woman because she's a little crazy. Not too crazy, not slash my tires crazy, but just sort of like come over drunk and give me the what for every once in a while. Oh yeah, he loves crazy, which is why it didn't last with Natasha. The crazy hot matrix, right? At a a solid four or five, you're in the wife zone. (laughs) So how many Manolos would you give this episode? I'm going to give it 8.5. This was a solid episode. Yeah, I was going to give it eight Manolos because the idea of secret sex is something that a lot of people can relate to. We get the Charlotte in the Hasidic guy backstory. We get the photo shoot, the origin story of the bus and Carrie and Mr. Big's first date. And we learned that Samantha had sex with a high schooler. (laughs) Not that long ago. So very solid episode for season one. Yeah, I think that was a great way to start off 2024. Okay, guys, we're going to be back next week with a pop culture episode. But soon we are going to be doing a very special hotline episode for Valentine's Day. So we would love it if you called into the hotline. That is 323-486-6773. And ask us questions about secret sex, relationships, love, what have you. Let us indulge our inner uh, Drew Pinsky, Carrie Bradshaw (laughs) fantasies of our youth. Yes, that would be fantastic. And we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye, guys. (laughs) 